Hey! Hi, this is Dr. Christine. And Dr. Colin. And we are your co-hosts for the exciting new podcast called Love, Love Scrubs, Scrubs, and Stories, where we dive deep into the world of dating and relationships and go beyond the people wearing the white coats, the scrubs, and the stethoscopes. Come join us on this journey where we engage in dialogue and share stories of love, heartbreak, resilience, and triumphs. And we also navigate our professional lives with our hearts on our sleeves. Please remember to subscribe and hit the notification button to stay up to date on all future episodes. And, and we, we look, look forward, forward to, to seeing, seeing you inside. inside. Hey, guys. Hello. Welcome to the Love Scrubs and Stories podcast. Thank you so much for being here. We are super, super excited. My name is Dr. Colin Zhu, and I am joined by my lovely co-host. I am Dr. Christine Nguyen, and we are so excited to bring you another amazing episode today with a fantastic guest. We have a really important topic for you. I think something very, very important that we all, that I think we're way over here to talk about with this group. Yeah, so what are we yeah. talking about today, Colin? Well, we're talking about the business slash financial aspect of marriage, right? You know, whenever we, you know, talk about marriage, we think about it from the perspective of commitment and love and, you know, all these great things, but we don't really talk about it from the financial point of view. And I think that's very important to talk about. And guys, if this is your first time, please hit that subscribe button. And uh, we are here talking about dating and relationship through the lens of the healthcare world. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Christine, why don't you start us off? You know, when you think of marriage, you know, what do you think about, you know, first, you know, when you're thinking about your notion and concept of marriage? Yeah. And like you mentioned, you know, I'm, you know, I guess hopeless romantic, you're a hopeful romantic now that you've mentioned, you know, I'm, you know, I think about, like you said, I think about love. I think about, you know, two people coming together, a union and building a life together, you know, but, you know, a big part of building that life together is that there's all a lot of things that you have to consider about, right? Because the, the reality is that, you know, love may not be enough. I mean, there's a lot of other things that we need to con consider, including the financial aspect of any any union, especially being, you know, high level healthcare professionals. And, you know, we make a decent living and live a comfortable life that, you know, these are things that we need to talk about so that there's like an understanding and agreement on all these aspects of what it means to come together and form a union. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think going into any type of business transaction or business relationship, kind of have to kind of look at all the pros and cons, cost benefits, risk benefit, you know, <laughs> ratios that we do as doctors to begin with, right? And historically, you know, I'm not a marriage expert. Um, Neither but, am I. <laughs> yeah, but I would say that, you know, historically, marriage is usually considered a business transaction in the earlier days. And, you know, it's going to be different for every culture, every different type of, you know, background. But in the beginning, it was considered more of a business relationship. And, you know, which party brings what to the table, which party's families bring what to the table. So there's a lot of things to consider. You know, our guests um, that's about to come on in a few seconds has his perspective. And uh, it's very, very interesting. And we're super excited for him to be here. Christine, do you have anything to add before we introduce our next uh, speaker? Yeah, thank you for adding all that. And, and I think like, like you said, you know, UCB considered more of a business transaction. And then over time, like I've noticed, like, you know, a, a lot of us may feel like shy away from conversations because money, you know, talking about money and finance can be very uncomfortable, right? Because it, it almost kind of feels like it takes away like from like 
the aspect of like the love of a relationship the romantic and, and side the of romantic it. side of things and it gets sometimes it it may feel like talking about it may reduce the relationship you know down to numbers and like business yeah. transaction but I, I you know i feel like the trend has shifted now that we're recognizing that if anything because talking about money and finance is part of that romantic discussion of a union of two people coming together and, and, you know, kind of like talking about making sure that we're a good fit in all aspects of our lives. Right. And so, so that's why I feel like it's not like unromantic as some may feel, but if anything, I'm, I'm glad to hear that more and more we're starting to hear more about the importance of these conversations. So that's why I think it's especially important that our guest has agreed to accept our invitation and uh, he has some experience in this realm. And I can't wait to hear from him and kind of hear his take on it and what his recommendations are for our audience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, that saying of like, you know, ooh, you're mixing, you know, business and family, right? And sometimes when you hear that, it's a little bit off-putting. So in a way, you know, it's kind of muddying the waters a little bit. So so in a way, you kind of have to do some compartmentalizing. And I'm curious to see if our next guest, you know, does that. What perspectives or strategies or tips he can offer in terms of, you know, how do you separate the two? Do you mix with it? How much emotion do you put behind it? I think that's very, very interesting to kind of see. All right. Well, I can't wait any longer. Shall I introduce him and bring him on? Go ahead. All right. So we have Dr. James Evans. Dr. Evans is a dual board certified internal medicine physician with 23 years of clinical and administrative experiences. He currently serves as the Western and Southern Regional Corporate Physician Advisor for Stewart Healthcare. He has extensive hospitalist experience running an independent practice hospital service for over seven years in Phoenix. He also has significant leadership experience and served as the chief financial officer for a small DME company called Cruise Ship Doctor. He's a stockbroker. He's an assistant instructor at a jiu-jitsu. He's a graduate of Harvard College in physics and mechanical engineering. He earned his medical degree from the University of Michigan and completed an internal medicine residency at Columbia University in New York City. He holds an MBA in finance, and he's also board certified in healthcare quality management by the American Board of Quality Assurance and Utilization Review Physicians. He is bilingual in Spanish and English. He's a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and still an active competitor. How impressive. His outside hobbies include Brazilian jiu-jitsu, golf, EDM, foreign languages, and international travel. So amazing. So let's welcome Dr. James Evans to the Love Scrubs and Stories podcast. Hi, Jim, which is what we call you by. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for the impressive intro. Thank you so much for having me. Just give a little background. Uh, Christine and I go back about three years. I was back in New York with the lockdown, I believe. And I got a random invite to join WCR. Yeah, and that's for White Coat Romance for the audience members who don't know what that is. So we're coming up. I'm actually coming up on three years being. I know. That's so amazing. It's been amazing to see the growth of the group. I remember when you were at like maybe three, four hundred members and. I don't know how many thousands you have now. And uh, it's been a fantastic experience being in a group, including, you know, a, a surprise trip out to California for your birthday. Where you got and a thank chance you to, for that. To, yes. to, to meet all of us in person. 
So this is sort of a continuation. We speak actually quite often. So this is uh, a natural. We've had so many offline discussions, you know, over the past few years that this is just a very nice continuation. So thanks for thanks for having me on. Oh, thank you so much, Jim. And, you know, I especially appreciate you being part of our White Coat Romance community. And, you know, you were someone who was very, um, very much about, you know, being very, like, upfront and open and honest and not afraid to say it like it is. And I feel like you always really look out for for the members in the group. And even if sometimes like you may see things that they may not want to hear, but that doesn't hold you back because I feel like you really care about the community. And so I appreciate you for that. And I know that you've helped a lot of people like offline as well in different realms, whether we're talking about the romance department or we're talking about financial money matters. So thank you again, you know, from the bottom of my heart for all your contributions to this community and also for agreeing to come join us today. So we have an amazing topic to talk about today that, you know, we've Colin and I started talking about. And we are all so excited for you, Jim, because you made your big announcement that you were getting remarried. And really, like, I think, you know, aside from the fact that we were all really happy for you, but at the same time, we were all really surprised at the same time as well, you know, because through like the last, you know, three years of knowing you, I think, and certainly it's an evolution over time that, that your, your views on marriage has changed. Yes. So, so did you wanted to kind of talk about that and what kind of led to this evolution of your views on marriage and how did you come to where you are today right now with this exciting news? Okay. Well, yeah, well, it's, I think it was a combination of things, uh, you know, certainly, you know, what had happened to me professionally and, and relocating back to Arizona and sort of thinking about, you know, what do I want to do sort of the next chapter of my life. But more importantly, I have to kind of go back a little bit. When I went back to New York to take care of you know, my mother, who had diagnosed with stage four cancer the year before. So we had a lot of conversations basically in her bedroom. And, you know, she had asked me, you know, how do you feel being divorced for all these years? And I just kind of said, oh, you know, I'm OK. And she said, have you seriously thought about being married? And I'm like, really? My mother had never brought up marriage to me, not once. Oh, wow. And uh, she was like, you know, I, I think that's something you need to think about, son. Interestingly enough, my father actually said the same thing. He said, you know, have you thought about remarrying again? And so it, it, it had kind of crossed my mind at that point, the possibility of being married. And it wasn't for the traditional reasons. It was more, I think my parents were afraid of me dying alone. And then Something happened that was like a real shocker to me and sort of a life changer. My parents had a very contentious marriage and they had been divorced for 25 years. My father had remarried and my mother was basically, she was terminal. She wasn't even hospice and she wasn't going to leave the hospital. In the last conversation I had with my mother, she said, hey, do you think your father would be willing to come in and talk with me? I'm like, whoa, you haven't said a word to my dad in 20 years. But you know what? I'll ask him. And so I'm getting ready to call my father. He calls me on the phone and says, hey, son, listen, I know your mom is sick, but would she be willing to see me? And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Dad, listen, mom wants to see you. So they went and saw each other. My mother passed away like two days later. So oh, it was I'm sort so of sorry. like a, it was sort of like a, a, but for me, it was closure because it was that big circle. So they were married and then they got divorced and then they saw each other and they had sort of this, this closure. So that was like, wow, you know, my mother did not die alone. She died with right with the father of her children right next to her. 
And then, you know, subsequently my, my, my father got sick the following year. And I remember flying back to New York and seeing him and his stepmother was there. And she basically at some point told me, Hey, listen, son, I think you need to, she called me son. She never called me son ever. Not once. She said, listen, son, I think you need to, to leave now and, and let your father go in peace. And I'm like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's exactly what my mother would have said. It was like weird. So it was like, you know, my father had almost like a version of his mother at his side. So I started like, you know, thinking, do I really want to die alone or do I want to have somebody at my side? I mean, we're physicians. We think about end of life stuff all the time. And do I, do I want somebody to make my decisions? I mean, my my parents were my decision makers and now they're gone. And so I'm thinking like, well, if I end up on the, in the intensive care unit on a vent, like who's going to, it's going to kind of manage, it, especially if I don't come off. So, you know, sort of seeing that happen to your parents consecutively made me think, well, you know, maybe I don't want to be alone. So that was sort of the, the, the beginning of the process. And I will say that I did make a concerted effort to find a relationship which is something that I did not do. I mean, I was a little bit lax. You know this, Christine, on <laughs> on white white coat romance. Mm-hmm. I was getting some DMs and stuff, but I wasn't real serious about it. But you know, I did make an effort to to find a a long term relationship, and not necessarily for marriage, but I, I did have marriage in the back of my head. Like, hey, you know what? I'm not going to date just to date. I'm going to date to marry. If we get married, that's great. But if we don't, that's that's okay too. But I am prior to it, I would just date for looks or for fun or whatever. But this time around, I was taking my dating a little bit more seriously. So I was much more discerning. So I think it was a combination of me relocating to Phoenix, me basically losing my family because it had been a rash of losses. Like I lost like three uncles, two aunts, both my parents. So my family got in the past three years. So my family got really small, really quick. And I'm thinking, oh, this is, uh, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I better take a look at, you know, where things are going to be headed for myself personally here at at 50. So that was sort of the beginning of, of my journey toward remarrying. You know, Jim, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I know that might not be easy to share. Just to kind of back up even more than that, if you can give us some insight for those that have not been following your story from the beginning, yeah. what, you know, what led you you know, to the initial divorce. And you had mentioned that you had never thought about remarrying, right? So what 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 led you to the initial divorce? And what was it about it that, you know, placed you in this mindset of like, oh, you know, I'm okay on my own before your parents stepped in? Well, I think, you know, I had, the marriage started off good. I don't think it was financial. She was a you know, a patent attorney. She had a very successful firm. We actually had a, a, a very good, solid prenup to pace because when we got married, she actually made twice what I made. So we had a, a prenup in place. Um, we had some issues regarding child rearing. We had some issues regarding gender roles. We had lots of various issues. She didn't like my hours, which was a bit surprising knowing that I'm a physician. And it got to the point where my marriage is so bad, like my life was going really south really fast. I mean, I I filled my board exams. I was about to lose my privileges at the hospital. I got I demoted myself from purple belt down to blue belt. 
Like it was like everything was really heading in a really wrong direction. And I was moving into a very dark place. Mm. You know, my friends kind of noticed it. And so I just kind of abruptly ended it. I moved out mm. and filed. So I said, this is not good. I really didn't have much support. And, you know, when you go through something like that and financially, I mean, we brought a, a, an expensive house that we took a loss on because the market act was kind of funny. So, you know, when going through that whole experience, just left a really bad taste in my mouth of being mm. with a person that's not going to be supportive. Someone that's because I was trying to build my practice up and have a, 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 a spouse that doesn't support that. That's just, it's very, it's, it's just not good. You know, when, when someone doesn't, doesn't support your family, they're not very welcoming to your family. They don't support you in your professional endeavors, even though I supported her. It just, it was just kind of a, it just kind of a, it was a bad thing. And mm-hmm. it was, it was mutual. I mean, I think if you were to bring Rachel was her name, I think if you were to bring Rachel on, I don't think that she would say, Oh, well he was this and he was a narcissist. Cause we hear a lot of that, right? Christina, well, he was this, and he was that. And you'll never hear me say she's crazy. You know, I think Rachel is a good person. I mean, you can even ask Heather, like as a human being, she's a, she's a good person. We still text on holidays and birthdays. She called me when my both my parents died and, and wanted to come back to the funeral to support me. And I said, no, that's that's no worries. When she lost her mom, I went right to her house and basically slept downstairs and like was there to support her. So because her parents were they were like my parents were in-laws. So it wasn't a contentious divorce at all, mm. even though we just both realized that it just didn't work out for us. I wasn't a very good husband. She wasn't a very good wife. It just didn't work. But it, mm. but it's not it's not a personal thing. I don't have any ill will towards her at all. I know a mm. lot of people do, but fortunately, I don't. So you know, and if she ever needed anything, I would still help her. You know, because I was married to her. You know, so uh, and I know that that she had she had some issues when she lost her mom because it was pretty catastrophic. I mean, her mother went in for a dental procedure and she was dead two days later. I mean, it was uh. it was crazy. Mm. Yeah, I mean, wow. so and her father was like a second father to me. In fact, I used to joke that he used to say I was a son he never had because I had more common with my father-in-law than I had my actual biological <laughs> father. So, and, and, and then as it turned out, she was super close to my father. So mm-hmm. she was talking to my father way beyond the divorce. She was talking to my father. And I, I had no issues with that because, you know, that's a separate relationship, her and, and, and my father. Yeah. So, but what it did do is that, that I'll be honest with you, it did leave a very bad taste in my mouth and it did make me very anti-marriage. I was like, nah, I'm not going to do this again. I tried it. You know, I got married at 41, so I wasn't young and it didn't work. And I just said, okay, well, mar- maybe marriage isn't for me. And so I was mm-hmm. content with just being alone. Let's see. Well, thank you, Jim, for, sh- you know, being vulnerable and sharing all that. And, you know, unfortunately, and you know, aside from the fact that the marriage didn't work, it sounds like you both obviously were both in both very demanding professions, which can be a very a tricky balance. And then, you know, aside from the professional course, right? It doesn't sound like you, you both were a good fit, but I'm really glad to hear that, you know, you guys have, you know, remained in each other's lives and been very supportive towards one another. But understandably, right, something going through something like that is very traumatic. And that, you know, naturally, you know, anyone going through that understandably would not, you know, see themselves, you know, remarrying you know unless there was you know like convincing evidence i guess you know we're very logical beings right that uh, why why would i want to do this right you know again right there there needs to be a good reason why 
And yeah, and then naturally, you know, we evolve and we mature and we, you know, develop and through life experiences and, you know, and amazing people come into our lives that, you know, from what it sounds like that led to the change in your decision as well, aside from what happened, unfortunately, through the events with your family loss. Yeah. So, so Jim, when you had posted in White Coat Romance of announcing about your, your engagement, we were all really excited. And um, you'd mentioned something that really sparked our interest. And um, it was in regards to prenup and postnup agreements, particularly the sunset clause. And everybody was like asking you questions, you know, left and right, like, can you explain more? Like, what is this? And like, how does this work? And, you know, all that. So can you kind of break this down for us and kind of dive into what initially how you and your fiance had started talking about this and, and made the decision together and what sort of motivated you to put, you know, these agreements in place that you feel that would work best for your relationship? Okay. Well, you know, my fiance is also divorced and her first marriage is somewhat tumultuous financially and it kind of left her in ruin, so to speak. So finances were an issue for her. And for me, they weren't that much of an issue, but I had a prenup first marriage. So it made it a lot easier bringing that conversation up the second time around because I'd already had a prenup. And so when I was looking at the prenup at this point, yeah, I, the sunset clause is something that I thought about because, you know, at my age, it's, well, the prenup, you know, if it's, if I'm in my 60s, a prenup is really irrelevant at that point. Because and you're, can you you're explain a, real quick, if you don't mind, just for our audience well, that doesn't know exactly what that is? Okay, so a sunset clause basically is where the prenup expires. So you could set it at any point in time in the future. And I picked 15 years because that is like sort of the retirement age. But some people pick it at 10 years. Some people pick it at 20 years. But basically, at, at that point, if you're still married, the prenup goes away. So, you know, I, and, and I looked at it, and I'm like, if I'm still married to Heather in 15 years, none of this is going to matter. You know, the, the assets are going to be so intermingled that it's not, I mean, it's, 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 it becomes irrelevant at that point because I'm going to die, and then she's going to get everything, so it doesn't matter, <laughs> right? So, you know, so you put the sunset clause just to sort of get through the, that first sort of period of marriage, but once you get past that mark, you know you're in it for the long haul, you know. And if you look at the data on second marriages, particularly for people in my income bracket, our divorce rate is remarkably low. I think it's like, I want to say it's under 10%. So typically men that make over six figures that remarry stay married. Like the, the divorce mm -hmm. rate plummets. Now, I'm not really sure why. But and I've even seen it with, with my friends. I've seen it with my father when he remarried. I mean, most of my friends, when they're on marriage number two, it's been much better than marriage number one. And, you know, one of my old golf partners had a horrible marriage. She had a kid from it. But now he, I think he's been married to Joanne now. I think they're celebrating their 25th anniversaries coming up. You know, the second time around, it's just been, you know, great for him. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, the first marriage was, was a little bit rocky. So I put that in place. And then as far as, you know, the details, I mean, we, we're, we're sort of like getting that hashed out with the attorneys. But the post snub, because yeah, some people were asking about that, was because we're anticipating the possibility that my fiance will make more money than me because she's going to be going to law school 
and she's going to be going into a very lucrative branch of law, food safety law. And, you know, my attorney said the prenup protects her, too, because her law firm could be worth more than your company and your practice based on and everything that he knows and based on what I read. So there will be a, a post-up clause in there that protects her law firm. And that kind of keeps that separate. There, there will be no alimony, but in exchange for alimony, I'm going to fund their law school. So there's lots of things that you can do with a prenup. You can, I had a cheating clause in my first prenup where if I got caught cheating, I had to pay X amount of dollars. So there's really a lot of things that you can do in the prenup. I think with the exception of child support, I think child support you can't mess with. But anything else with the prenup, it's really flexible. And it's really what, what you make of it. So, yeah, those are the two big clauses we have is there's going to be a post-nup clause that will protect her future law firm. And then there's a, a sunset clause. And then as far as how the assets are split, I don't know if you're aware of this with prenups, but you have to be real careful with prenups. Like they can't you can't have a prenup that is horribly unfair. So. If there's a huge income disparity, you can't have a prenup where you put your per- your, your your wife or your husband on the street that, because a judge will throw it out. So it has to be reasonable. It has to be fair. So, you know, if I provide housing and we get divorced, I have to provide housing because if I just say, oh, no, no, she gets nothing. The judge is going to throw that out. And then, you know, you have to have separate legal representation, which is very important. Now, I'm allowed to pay for an attorney, but you have to have separate legal representation. And then from from what I've read and from what I've seen, there are people recommending that when you sign the prenup, that you videotape the signing so oh, that wow. there's there's proof that the person wasn't under duress. Mm. <laughs> right? so, <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. So there's this video evidence wow. that, 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 that you weren't trying mm-hmm. to coerce this person or that they weren't sick or they were, you know, hey, they had a the flu or they had the rona or something like that. And, you know, so there's all sorts of things that people put in place because. Prenups are very vulnerable and judges will throw them out. So uh, and the other thing is you can't do it close to the wedding date. It has to be at least three months ahead of time. So, you know, the most important thing is just doing it ahead of time and then having legal representation, proving somehow, whether it's with audio, whether it's with video or whether it's a third party, that when, when this prenup is signed, that it was not done under duress. And it has to be reasonable and fair. And I think that's the most important thing. I think a lot of people look at prenups, particularly in WCR, and they think, oh, well, he's just trying to screw this person. And I'm like, no, it's actually sort of divorce insurance. What a prenup does, is it takes the lawyers out of the equation because everything is right there. Everything is laid out. So you can't, you know, give the person nothing. It doesn't work that way. I mean, you can, you can stepwise increase the amount of, of, of your assets that they that they're entitled to. But you can't really put this person out on the street. And so I think I think it's important whether it's and I know this is something that some of the the, the, the females in uh, docs and WCR have brought to my attention because a lot of them are looking at relationships with men that make less. And so they said, well, how do I bring this up? And I know we'll get to that later. But I think it's uh, I think it's important to like, not look at prenups in such a negative way. And I think that's a huge problem is that. There's this negative stereotype to prenups. Whereas if we were running a business and we had an operating agreement, people would expect that, right? Yeah. So if you're, mm-hmm. if you're getting a job and there's a contract, people expect that, right? You're not just going to take a job. You want a contract. Show me what I'm supposed to do. But 
they look at marriage and they're like, oh, it's all about being in love. No, 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 no. That's a component of it, right? But let's just let's be realistic here. We're all grown adults. There's a financial component. When you're in our income levels, that's something you have to have a, dis a discussion about. And a prenup isn't necessarily a bad thing. It really isn't. Because the other nice thing about a prenup is it requires full disclosure. So you want to know what your partner's doing? Get a prenup. They have to disclose it. Heather has to see all of my finances, and I have to see all of hers. It has to happen. Because the lawyers are going to negotiate. So they have to negotiate in good faith. And if I hide something, okay, if I hide a penny, prenup goes away. Heather can sue me for everything. So it's almost <laughs> a good idea, I think, if you're the person making less money, it's all prenup's fine because the person you're marrying has to disclose every single dime by law because they have to, you have to, they, they need those assets, everything. I mean, it, they, and the other parties allow to look at that because they're going to be negotiating based on what they see. So, and I think that disclosure before you get married is very important because we know people hide stuff, you know? So, and I think it's important to know what, what kind of financial shape is your partner? How much debt do they have? What do they really have? They say they have this, but what do they really have? So I think that's, I think that's important. Jim, you brought up amazing points. And I love the fact that you actually talk about it from an angle that's more positive than negative. Because before you just stated everything, I kind of had this negative connotation with it. And it's almost like taboo, right? I think a lot of times finance, finances is a very hard discussion when you're in the relationship, not even yes. talking about before you enter the relationship. Right. Yes. And I like that comparison of, you know, if you had an operating agreement, if you had a contract, you want things to be laid out. That makes a lot of sense because we look at it from a business point of view. Right. And I think we look at marriage too much, you know, and I love what you said that it's a component of it. And it doesn't have to be the whole thing. You have to look at it from a business point of view. So based off of that, based off of what you said, how do you, what are the tips and types of strategies you would advocate in terms of having these conversations? Because it sounds like you're, you're more of a hundred percent advocate of having prenups, right? Yes. So how would you, how would you help those that are having more of a difficulty and having this type of conversation? Because it's not an easy conversation, right? Like, so how would you navigate that? What kind of tips would you offer to have those conversations? Like to even initiate it. Cause like I mentioned earlier, a lot of us are really uncomfortable just talking about money, let alone like money yes. in a relationship. Right. And you're money, obviously well, someone well, who's very comfortable talking about it. Well, no, not really. Mm -hmm. I mean, cause money, <laughs> the money's personal, right? I mean, your finances are mm -hmm. personal. And, and as a physician, it's really personal for us because we spent years of our life training. We work our butts off. It costs us a lot in terms of our physical well-being and emotional well-being. And we're not about, you know, because people, we have a target on our back as docs. Everybody thinks we're loaded and we're whales and this and that. So it is uncomfortable. And to kind of go back a little bit, just before I answer this question, with my business partner, he had proposed something with the business, okay, and it fell outside the operating agreement. And I talked with him this morning and I said, no, we can't do that because it's outside the operating agreement. You know what he said? You're right. We're going to change it. We can't we can't do a split this way because we were looking at doing a split where it wasn't 50-50. And I said, bro, it's got to be 50-50. It's either 50-50 or we don't do it. And, you know, he's a, he's a good friend of mine. 
but this is in the operating agreement. And I asked Heather, I said, am I being too hard? She's like, no, 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 no. If it's in an operating agreement, it's in an operating agreement. And he said, you know what? You're absolutely right. We're going to change it. We're going to do it 50 50. So this is why it's important <laughs> to have this stuff because it just, it, there was no fight. There was no content, now contention. We just had that. So to answer your question, boy, I really don't know. It is because it's, I don't know how you bring it up. I don't know when you bring it up. That is such a hard one. It really is. It's just, you just do it. You just do it like Nike, right? Just, like don't even yeah, like hesitate, you know? You know? There's another member of the group who will remain anonymous, but Christine knows who she is. And she's, you know, concerned about the potential credit score of her future partner because she has excellent credit. And I understand that. And she had said, well, how do I bring that up? And I'm like, that's really personal. Like asking somebody what their FICA score is, is like really personal. And I, I said, I don't think you should do that. Honestly, like, I know where you're coming from, and I know that 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 credit is important. In that, when you get you know potentially married, you combine credit, but that's like asking me the results of my last colonoscopy. I'm not going to tell you that. Like, you know what I mean? It's like there's some stuff that's like I'm not going to ask you what your last pap smear showed. I mean, there's some stuff that's like really personal, and I said you have to stay away from that because a FICA score. There's so many things that can mess up your FICA score. Like, I've seen people go from, like, 800 to, like, 500, right, just from a bad marriage or from a business that went upside down. And that, that, that doesn't mean that they're bad people or that they did, you know, whatever, you know, because I've, I've talked to people like that, you know, and they're like, oh, well, uh, this happened and this happened and this happened. Oh, oh, okay. You know, so to kind of put that, uh, and, and I had that experience as an employer, you know, and I had somebody say, hey, listen, I have I have a I have a felony background. And I said, what did you do? Oh, I got caught with a little pot in my car. Oh, OK. So I did a background search. She has some marijuana like 15 years ago, but that's not who she is today. So I'm like, oh, you know what? That's that's a little poo poo stuff. I'm not going to worry about that. So I, I think you just have to just sit down and just kind of bite the bullet. And fortunately, it was uncomfortable bringing it up with Heather. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how did you approach that topic with it was Heather? Super mm -hmm. uncomfortable. I was super uncomfortable, and I just kind of said, "Hey, listen, I think we're going to need a prenup." And I was thinking, this is either going to be the end of the relationship or not. <laughs> and 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 she was she was okay with it. And she said, "Yeah, yeah, you know that makes sense to me." And uh, you know, the thing about that is that she has been very transparent with me. You know, she gave me all of her finances, all of her debt, everything. She didn't have to do that. And so, like, I know what she owes to the penny. I know what she has to the penny, you know. So, you know, she was willing to disclose that. So I know what I'm getting into. So it's not like, oh, well, you don't know what this person has. I know exactly what she has. So, and, and I'm going to help, you know, take care of her, for the problems of the first marriage. That's not an issue because I'm going into it with my eyes open, you know. So, uh, but even her parents are like, well, you know about Heather's debt? I'm like, of course I know about Heather's debt. She told me. It's not a big deal. I can help handle it. You know, so it's a fraction of what I used to have. So it's not, it's not a big, but yeah, I, it was cold turkey jumping into the deep end. I just brought it up mm. after dinner. Yeah. I just said, I think we need a prenup. And I think that's exactly what I said. <laughs> <laughs> and if anything, it sounded like it reinforced like how you feel about her, right? And like right. being able to navigate such a difficult topic and having these difficult conversations, I think it 
only like strengthens the relationship further and kind of confirms your belief that, you know, this is the right decision that you made with Heather, you know? So um, and, thanks. And if I could add one more thing, I think that if somebody were to get really upset by that conversation, I think you would have to seriously consider whether that person is for you or not. I think it's such an important conversation. And I've said this offline to several members of WCR that have come to me and said, well, my partner. And I said, listen, you don't have to be with that person. Because you worked hard to get to where you're at. You have, you know, we have a lot of people in the group that have significant assets, you know, seven-figure net worth. And uh, and these, these are the female docs. And I'm like, listen, if this person isn't willing to have this conversation, you need to seriously think about your future with this person because it's important. So if they don't want to go down this route or they're thinking, well, you're planning for the marriage to fail. No, I'm being realistic. We have, we have insurance for our cars. I'm not planning on getting into a car accident. But I have insurance. <laughs> Hopefully, I never have to use it. I have, we have malpractice. None of us plans on getting sued. But this is why we have malpractice insurance. Yeah. I'm not planning on being divorced, but a prenup will keep the lawyers out of my bank account if I do. Because maybe they, they should suffering. just change it to marriage insurance. They should just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, insurance. They should just call it just marriage call insurance. Marriage I insurance. think it's the, I think it's the <laughs> word. It's the wording that turns. That's it what it is. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for being vulnerable because I think that was the first step in saying like, hey, this is very, this is uncomfortable for me, but I feel oh, like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what your exact words, but just saying like, this is uncomfortable and admitting that, you know, this is, and the fact that we still need to have this conversation, I think was, you know, it allowed her to kind of be like, okay, cool. You know, so let's well, have finances are so, finances are so personal. They really are. And, you know. My 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 mother has seen my my balance, my checking account balance, but she might be the only person it has because I keep it tight. My father never wanted to. He would say, "Hey, son, are you making enough money to pay your bills?" That's all he would say. He didn't, you know, he didn't really care. You know, and when people people like want to know what we're doing as docs, and I don't know about YouTube, but I keep that tight. Like I don't go around telling people what I'm doing. Financially, I just kind of say, ah, it's personal, like you said, yes. it's personal, it's personal because people will automatically judge you based off of that. And you know, I have a lot of wealthy friends, a ton of wealthy friends, and you know, they're always telling me that you know, I have issues with you know, inviting employees to my house because they see my house and then they think that they're not being paid enough, or I've had referral sources come to my house and they're like, well, I'm making you rich and this and that, and it's just. It is, it is, yeah, it is all kinds of assumptions, all so. kinds of, of assumptions. So, just and then being and then and it having to disclose your debt, whether it's like good debt or bad debt, you know, it's like no one wants to say, Well, I got a repossession on my credit or foreclosure, or you know, I have $75,000 in commercial credit card debt. Like, people just don't want to say that kind of stuff, right? But you know, the average credit card debt in America is upwards of $10,000. Yeah, it's completely insane. It's insane. So people, and it's it, it's it's hard. So even outside of a marriage, even if you're talking to your financial advisor, or even if you're doing uh, estate planning, people just don't want to say what they have and what they owe. I think it's yeah. just a personal thing, right? 
Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jim. So I thought we shift gears and talked about another topic that, that you had mentioned in the, the Facebook group, the social dynamics of being engaged yes. and getting married. That, that was like a nice, should I say, side effect that really surprised yes. you. Did you want to talk about that and, and kind of like the things that you've encountered ever since you announced your engagement and, and so some of the benefits now of being engaged and married soon? Well, there is a social component to it. You know, as I kind of move towards my financial goals in my 50s, and as you all know, we none of us are even at our primes in terms of earnings because as docs, we don't hit our peak until our late 50s. I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh, no, I did not know that. Yes, yeah, we, we all have a long way to go before we hit our peak earnings as docs. So, you know, we're as I'm working my way there, you know, and having conversations, I realized that, like, you know, like 98% of millionaires are married, which I didn't know. But, you know, it's just sort of like as I'm kind of looking at things and I'm like, you know, most of the successful people I know are married as I go through. And, you know, it has people look at me differently. My family looks at me differently. You know, I'm getting invitations to family cruises because my cousin just got married. But I had uh, I think she got married two weeks after our engagement. And. I mean, her and I talk way more now than we did before. Very interesting. My brother looks at me way differently now, almost like with a sigh of relief that, you know, that I have somebody. My social circles have definitely changed a little bit. I mean, because people are like, well, hey, how's Heather? When are you guys getting married? And this and that. How's the planning going? And by the way, we're eloping in Aruba. But people are, you know, they're, they're very interested in that. And what's been really interesting is that there are people that want to come to our party that I would not have imagined wanted to come to my anything. So I may have sort of a kind of a cordial relationship, but it's become more than that now that I'm engaged. Hey guys, we'll be right back. And now a word from our sponsors. The Love Girls and Stories podcast is a collaboration and co-production between The Chef Doc and White Coat Romance. The Chef Doc is a wellness platform that offers innovative approaches to thriving and offers a self-empowerment book, podcast series, on-demand masterclass series, as well as a brand new app. The app provides self-guided education such as food as medicine, self-care, and resilience. Coaching services are also available, whether you prefer one-on-one or group-type settings. Please go now to your app store, as well as Apple as Google Play to download for free. White Coat Romance is a dating app for healthcare and health-related professionals and students in the U.S. and Canada. It's a lively space where you can find love, companionship, and build meaningful connections with like-minded professionals. If you're single, go to the App Store and Google Play to download and join our vibrant community. As we both serve these amazing communities, we also acknowledge the value of continuing education. Therefore, we're super excited to share an enticing opportunity with our listeners. Our episodes are continuing education eligible. That's right. You now have the opportunity to earn valuable credits while enjoying our content. Rest assured, the episodes will always remain free as we are committed to supporting our communities and amplifying the voices of healthcare professionals. To get a better understanding of how this works, the first three episodes are free to obtain, then the rest of the podcast episodes are at a nominal cost. So you might be asking who can earn credits? Well, physicians, nurses, nurse practitioners, physicians associates, pharmacists, dentists, as well as dietitians and dietetic technicians. 
If you find yourself in need of CE credits, we kindly ask you to consider directing your CE funds towards supporting our cause. Your contribution would greatly help us nurture our podcast production and continue to bring you valuable content. We are deeply grateful for your support. From all of us here at Love Scrubs and Stories Podcast, thank you so much for choosing us. And enjoy the rest of this episode. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And now back to the episode. So it's why do you, sort of why a, do you think that's it? Why do you think that's it, Jim? Like, why do you think the shift of dynamics happened? Yeah, what's the uh, perception that what does it mean? You're more, I'll just say it stable, stability, stable, stability, stability. Because you're a cool guy, you know. <laughs> like, I haven't met you, but you're a cool guy, right? So stability, stability. I think it's sort of that there is and it extends um, into the professional world as well, too. I remember you had mentioned. Well, it, well, it, it has. You know, I, I took Heather to a business meeting with a company out of San Diego that I just signed a contract with. And I actually brought her with me. And I think that that was a difference maker because it sort of portray again, it portrays stability because a CEO also is mm-hmm. married. And he was talking about inviting Heather and I out to Carlsbad, to his house in Carlsbad. Like, I don't think I get that invitation. If I'm single, I don't think I don't even think I get that invitation if I have a girlfriend, because people look at girlfriends and fiancés very differently. And I've talked to my friends about that. It's one thing to have a girlfriend. We've known that you were dating Heather. But once you put a ring on their finger, that's a level that's a next level of commitment. You know, when, when people see that, they uh, they just look at you a little bit differently, especially being 50 plus. They're sort of like, well, why aren't you married again? And you sort of kind of get those questions. Not that it matters, but you people do have questions of that nature. So a lot of questions are now, you know, answered. And people were a little bit surprised, but I can tell you that people overall have been very, very happy for me because they kind of see the trajectory of where things are going. And they're like, oh, yeah, now's the time. I mean, if you're going to remarry, now's the time to do it. So. Aww. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been excellent. I think I know for a fact that you know when we go out and she's wearing a ring, we get treated way differently. Every single restaurant we go to, we get like almost VIP level service. You know, when we fly, when we check into a hotel, when we go out to dinner, the people see that ring and they're like, "Oh wow, great job!" I mean, we were just flying back from uh, Monterey and we were at the airport there. The waitress saw her ring and said, "Wow, great job on the ring." And it was amazing how fast we got our food. You know, we got it like really quick. You know, it's like. I want to celebrate you guys. Well, because they look at the ring and they look at the size of the ring and they make an instant assumption. And they go, okay, oh, this, guy's a, oh, that this, guy's, this guy's a whale, which means he's going to tip me well. Huh. So I'm going to, you know, the service is going to be a little bit better because her ring reflects on me. Doesn't ref- it reflects on her. But her when she, when she, shows her rock it's not a flex for her it's a flex for me because people are looking at me going oh you you're what a successful guy not only is he successful but he's generous just look at the size of that rocky bar wow. so <laughs> that's sort of that projection of people make this assumption that one i'm successful and two i'm generous and both are good those are good assumptions to have especially so in the many business social world. implications oh my goodness especially yeah. in the business world you talk Very to the ceo and your and, and your fiance's got a five-figure ring He's like, oh, this guy's not broke. Okay, yeah, like he's he's got it together. I'm not I'm not contracting with a guy that's broke. So instead of the driving a you know instead of driving a Maserati or a Bentley or something like that, I think this is more of a flex. And Put someone a who rock, can commit, 
right? Yeah, put a rock a, on this your guy has, you know, his ability to commit. This right. guy is stable, and so it translates into the the professional world as well. So, yes. so amazing. So, gosh, Jim, I mean, I wish we can definitely talk about you know so many more things, and I, I appreciate you sharing all this. So, is Heather around? Could yes, we she's possibly right here. meet her? Yep. And gonna, you, know, uh, you can uh, you can put one you can put one earpiece to her, and she can sit next to you. There you go. Okay, scoot in. Yeah, come scoot on. In. In. Hi, Heather. How are you? Hi. I'm Christine. This is Colin. And um, yeah, we appreciate, you know, Jim coming on and, you know, so glad to finally get a chance to meet you. I've heard so many wonderful things about you, you know, through my discussions with Jim. And, and so we thought it'd be fun to like meet you and get your take on this whole topic that we've been talking about. And so if you wouldn't mind sharing like what was it like when he first like brought up the topic uh, about, you know, prenup and postnup and what were your feelings on it? And how did you respond? And, you know, or anything else you'd like to share? I mean, I think when he first asked about it, I mean, I have a lot of friends that all have prenups. I also assume since, you know, he was a doctor that it was eventually going to come up. So I honestly, I never had an issue with it. I'm kind of surprised to hear that he was nervous <laughs> to ask about it. But yeah, I, I've never had an issue with it. And I kind of just assumed it came with the territory of dating a doctor. So that's great. That's great that you kind of was almost like expecting to have that conversation, you know? And did you, did you feel like, did you feel like afterwards, like feel better about like talking about it and laying everything all out or, or were there any aspects of it that some people, you know, may say it's like unromantic? What's your, what is your feeling about all that? I guess it is kind of unromantic. But I also know that you don't necessarily marry just for love. I mean, granted, being in love is a positive aspect of it. Um, I don't know. I, I guess it's nice to get it out in the open. I think even before that, I'd already disclosed all of my debt to him just so that he wasn't surprised by anything about my past and about my past marriage. And I mean, I've always had a great job and I make more than six figures. And I just, I was with the wrong person and... He kind of did a number on my finances when we got divorced. Even just from my past experience, I thought a prenup was a smart idea. And then also the fact that I do want to go to law school and I want to practice in a very niche, lucrative area of the law. I knew that it would protect me in the future as well. Are there any um, lessons from your last marriage that you've learned that you're bringing into this marriage for yourself? That are non non financial. <laughs> Look at Jim. I love to hear this. That's a whole separate show. Yeah, that is. That is. Give us the cliff notes. Yeah, Give just so briefly. Yeah, just your so, cell phone. I mean, definitely discussing finances before we got married or before even we got engaged. Also, our political leanings. It's I did not know my ex husband's political affiliations until after we got married. And that kind of caused a lot of dissension between the two of us. I am also very much a gym rat. I am in the gym five or six days a week. Um, I love doing cardio. I love doing lifting, bodybuilding. My ex was very unsupportive of me going to the gym. And he kind of got to the point where I wasn't allowed to go to the gym because he was afraid I was going to leave him. Oh, um, no. Oh, my gosh. So many so insecurities. And you guys weren't just gym. aligned. Yeah, it sounds like just what you guys weren't aligned on so many levels. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was great because we, I mean, we met in college and he was, we were best friends. And he asked me out I think, three or four times where I finally said yes. And he proposed to me, I think, 
three times before I finally said yes. And at that point, I just said, I'm like, well, you know, he'll at least be stable. I really didn't feel like looking anymore. And most of my friends are getting married. And so it was just kind of the thing to do. Stayed in the marriage for eight years, probably seven and a half years too long. So I just, I knew that if and when I did decide to get married again, because I know when we first started dating, I wasn't necessarily looking to get married. I was still kind of on post-divorce. I don't want to get married anymore, but I was looking for a boyfriend, at least somebody, a stable guy in my life. Yeah. And you guys found each other. I think the other issue to bring up is, you know, Heather very much believes in gender roles and she conformed to them, but I don't believe that her husband did, her ex-husband did what he needed to do. And I know that this has been a so I've, I've been the center with you interesting conversation debates <laughs> in WCR regarding gender roles because I do believe in gender roles very much because that's simply how I was raised. And so you probably already know that I'm pretty conservative when it comes to that. So, you know, there we do both believe in, in traditional gender roles, which is why I have no problem taking the leadership like financially and, and taking the finances and being responsible for everything. And then she has her role and I have my role. And I don't think it's belittling, you know, I, you know, I've had some people say, well, this person is this, and you know, she's going to be an attorney and we're still not going to go away from our general, uh, from our gender roles. So you could make my mother was a highly educated professional, but she also embraced gender roles and like, taught me how to be a man and a head of the household more so than my father. So you can be, a highly educated professional is still fulfill your, your gender roles. And so, you know, her and I understand that, that the marriage is not 50, 50. It's simply not the marriage is 70, 30. It's me. You know, she knows that I know that. And I'm going into this, you know, with my eyes wide open. And that's one of the things that I've been trying to, you know, convey to the members of WCR is that, you know, when they talk about a 50, 50 partnership, I don't believe that that's really the case in a marriage. I just don't. I think that there's there has to be a little bit of unevenness because even in our business, we're 50-50. But I'll tell you right now that, that my partner it really has taken the lead in terms of the company in certain aspects. And then in other aspects, I take the lead. So when I ran my gym, there were certain things that I did that I took the lead to certain things my partner did. And as far as our marriage, it might be uneven, but I could tell you that there's things that Heather does that I don't bother with. Like travel planning. She does all the travel planning. I don't do anything. She does it all. Like I just sit back and wherever she wants to go, she goes. Right. So and as far as like the wedding planning, she does. So she does a lot for me. She's extremely supportive of me. But it's not it's not 50-50. And nor do I want it to be 50-50. And we're not planning on it being 50-50. And that's the other reason why I have the prenup. Because the first thing I told her is I said, I'm going to take care of you no matter what. Like if the marriage goes south, you're going to be taken care of. You know, and if you outlive me, you're going to be taken care of, but you're going to be taken care of. So I guess I'm kind of getting ahead of myself to sort of the wrap up session. But I just wanted to kind of bring that up as well, because that was a component, a big component of her first marriage. Yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, not, it's, and even at, at any point. In time and in that marriage. was important for you. Yeah. And it's, you know, it may not always be even, you know, and depending on what aspects of the relationship we're talking about too. And that's certainly that's for each, you know, a couple to figure out what works best for, you know, their relationship, like such as yours. And yep. so thank you, Heather, so much. We appreciate you coming on and so nice to finally meet you and sharing your perspective. So, yeah. So we thought, you know, appreciate you so much for, you thank know, you. 
Thank you for having Taking me. Taking all this time and sharing all this uh, insights and your wisdom and, and, you know, just being very open and honest, you know, which, you know, um, we greatly appreciate. So uh, what words of wisdom do you have, you know, take home points that you'd like to share with our audience, you know, to sort of wrap up, uh, given all the experience and all the things you've talked about, like the top three take, you know, takeaways. Oh, what do you think? I think every physician should have a prenup if you're going to be married. Number number two is don't think of prenups in a bad way. I love it that when you were describing it as marriage insurance. I think that's number two. And I think number three, you just have to jump into the deep end with the financial conversations. And that would be my top three. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think uh, very enlightening, especially for me. And I hope that this is enlightening for the audience that's uh, listening um, and or watching. So, uh, Christine, do you have anything else to uh, add or share before we close out? No, no, that's it. Yeah. Jim, what are the best ways? Should someone you know want to reach out to you if you're um, open to that? Should they have more questions and kind of pick your brain about certain topics in which you've been very generous, you know, to offer even before today and, and today? So what are the best ways to reach out to you? Well, they can find me on Facebook under Jim Evans. I'm in the WCR group for all of the, anyone that wants to go through there. If people want to email me, I'll be more than happy to share that. I don't know if there's a way that you could do that, Christine. Yes, uh, well, we will definitely add it to the show notes yeah, and we'll get yeah, that information yeah. Let's go ahead and, and, okay. and just uh, add, the, add the email. I'm more than happy to, to connect with anyone if they have any, any specific questions. I like email because they may have a quick question or if they want a phone call, then we can just connect from there. Awesome. Well, Jim, thank you so, so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Oh, thank uh, you for having me. This is my first <laughs> podcast. So thanks oh, for being here. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Tell all your friends, <laughs> you know, listen and watch. Thank, please thank um, Heather for us. It's really, really nice to have, have her on. And we really appreciate uh, the time that you're spending and the words of wisdom and really, really appreciate it. So guys, thank you so much for watching this episode. If you like this, please click uh, like, comment, and subscribe. And if you feel like if this is a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And until the next episode, please say goodbye to Dr. Jim on behalf of me and Christine. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Till next time. Hey, guys, thank you so much for watching and listening to this channel. If you enjoyed this, please like, comment, and subscribe. And if you felt like this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know as well. As a reminder, this channel does not offer medical advice. All opinions expressed are ours and our guests only. It is for general informational purposes only and does not replace professional healthcare services. Please consult your own healthcare provider for any medical issues you may have. Until the next episode, whether you're in and out of your scrubs, please remember to love yourself and others and lead with kindness. Bye. Bye.